<clears throat> Living Wisely, Living Well, March 17th. How should you respond to a false accusation? You might try answering, Now that you've reduced me to a level you can handle, may we talk as friends? That subtle reprimand will be well deserved. That's a very strong response, and it's not something that most of us could contemplate easily of just um, somebody trying to take us down and then us responding more or less in kind. But Swamiji's implied in all of this is a certain uh, strength in yourself. So you're not actually being defensive, you're just being emphatic. Like, all right, now that you've, you know, said your worst to me and tried to <clears throat> make sure that I'm weak and defensive or however, reduce me to the level that you can handle. Um, it's, it's, a very, uh, it's a very interesting way to say it. But what Swami's saying, first of all, is how do you respond to an accusation? You don't say, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. That's not me, it's not true. How dare you speak to me like that? You know, none of those are going to be really helpful. You just look at the person and say, okay, now that, now that we're here, now that we know what we're talking about, should we just, like, try to talk about this? Like, you know, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What do you think this, this is about? Why do, you, why do you saying that to me? And you don't say, why do you say that to me? You just say, why do you say that to me? Why do you think that's true? Okay, what does it mean to talk as friends? Okay, now that we're being so frank with each other, now that you've put this on the table, now that you've made it clear to me what you think of me, I've been in situations like that before, okay, now that you've made it clear to me what you think of me, and even if I haven't used Swami's exact words, I've used the effect of it, so now what do we do? Given that this is what you think, now what do we do? And the question as to whether or not it's true is not even necessarily the first thing that you really want to get into. It's just even asking somebody, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, what, what do you hope to have happen here? You know, do you hope to get me removed from my position of responsibility? Are you, are you trying to make me angry? Do you have a secret camera and you want to film me losing my temper? You know, like, what is it that is trying to happen here? Swamiji in his life, because he was a very big target. And as he said about himself at different times, he said, there is something in me, he said about himself, that um, awakens a strong response in other people. And that strong re- response, and of course I'm an example of that, was tremendous admiration and gratitude for everything that he gave to me personally and to the whole world. But the, the positive commitment that I ha- have for him and had for him during his whole lifetime uh, was equaled in strength by a surprising number of people um, by no means as many, a handful, a smidgen compared to the, those who, who were his supporters, who, who, many of whom dedicated themselves to trying to bring him down with endless false accusations. So he had to become, he had to become quite comfortable with people trying to reduce him down to something they could handle, pretty much exactly. When he was accused during litigation that was filed against him and against us, that Ananda was just a, a cult, and Swami was the worst possible kind of cult leader. 
one of the things that they fiercely accused him of was financial wrongdoing. And he was absolutely and totally innocent of financial wrongdoing, just it was a preposterous charge. It is true that for about two years he had, and, the, and I had, and it was a perfect phrase, a Swiss bank account in which he put $10,000 of the money he inherited from his father because he was traveling to Europe often, and he was often hosted, but he didn't want to have to rely on his host to take care of him. And if anything happened and he needed any kind of an emergency care or even an emergency ticket out of Europe for any reason at all, he wanted to have access to his own money. And he was in northern Italy, and Switzerland is a better place to put your money, so that's where he put it. The uh, money was recorded for some reason in lira, which made it look in numbers, it was a very big number, but having a million lira is not at all comparable to having a million dollars. And in the course of this litigation, all of that played into it, and we had to spend far more than $10,000 to unravel it. But despite all the evidence, this, uh, by his accusers, there was this unwavering commitment to the belief that he had a lot of money squirreled away somewhere that had been obtained by fraudulent means, you know, taken from the, the starving mouths of the devotees that he was hoodwinking, and they just wouldn't give up that idea. And Swami was very at ease about it. He said, because if they were in my position, the people who were accusing him, he said, of course they would have taken money for themselves. He said, and so they literally can't imagine that, any, that, that I wouldn't do it because it just would be so self-evident that that's what you would do. And so very often what people are accusing you of is merely the worldview that they live in. And you can't necessarily fight that because what they will think and what they thought about Swami was not that he was innocent, but that just that he was very, very clever. <laughs> it was just you, know, you just couldn't you couldn't get through it. There was just absolutely no way to get through it. He, they had to they had to make him like them, and that's what Swami's saying here. Now that you've reduced me to a level that you can handle, now that you've accused me of whatever um, dark deeds make sense to you. You know, that the dark deeds that seem natural in the world that you live in, which is what he meant by now that you've reduced me to a level that you can handle. Now that you've reduced me to a recognizable form, which is something that resonates with your reality. In 1976, which was of course a long time ago, um, an, a forest fire swept through Ananda village we were really just getting started. The, the community was not even was eight years old at that point, and the, what few houses we had were everything had just been scratched up from bare earth, and it was tremendous amount of work. So twenty one houses burned to the ground. None of them were spectacular dwellings, but they were all we had, and four hundred and fifty of nine hundred acres was absolutely charred. Um, Key, a few key things were spared, so Ananda wasn't annihilated, but it was pretty darn serious, and we could easily have gone bankrupt at that point. And uh, turns out that it was uh, 
that the fire was the responsibility of the county. The county had had a machine uh, on the road that had a, a, a faulty spark arrester. So it was it had been seven years of drought, and these were you know the the brown hills of California, and this you know improperly maintained county truck went down the road and threw sparks out and lit the grass, and then this huge forest fire went through, and it not only did that to Ananda, but it wiped out a number of our neighbors, just burned through their land, took their houses, everything. So when our neighbors found out that that had been caused by the county, the word lawsuit just comes up enormously. So our neighbors were overjoyed, and they gathered together and filed a big lawsuit, and they expected and wanted Ananda to join in because we had lost more than anyone. But we got together as a community, and we just felt that to file a lawsuit against, it was really our neighbors, you can kind of pretend it's just somebody else. Um, and it, it was our karma for it to happen. The, you know, the county didn't send that truck out to burn down our neighborhood. It's just this whole, um, what, what is really comes down to an atheistic view of life, which is anything that happens to me is somebody else's fault, and by gosh, they're going to pay. And that's just how our world lives. Ooh, is there a way we can get money? Somebody will pay us. A friend of mine had a, he had an online book selling business. And this was like, you know, like 35 years ago when, or I mean, how long, did, how long ago is computers? But this was early. And his online business was a real innovation and he was really developing. It was long before Amazon and everything else took over. And it was working very well for him. He had a very good selection and he had this good business going. He was living up in Ananda village, which is quite remote, but because the business was online, he was able to really work quite effectively from there. He had a son who was two years old. His son was sitting on his lap one day with the computer in front and somehow or another, and we still don't know, he managed to irrevocably erase the entire business. Two years old. And so all of a sudden, and no matter what he tried, whatever the deal was, he was never able to get it back. Now, as a consequence, he had to change locations. He uh, reunited with the woman he married, you know, and everything happened from moving. So it all ended up being fine. But here was the funny part. He was telling a friend, and that friend is an attorney. He was describing the whole thing, but just friend to friend. And the attorney kept saying, there must be a lawsuit in that somewhere. <laughs> there must be some way we can sue somebody because your two-year-old could erase your business. Now, of course, my friend just laughed and wouldn't think of it. So when Ananda was faced with that, we decided not to sue. We just decided it wasn't karmically appropriate for us to try to get money from the county for this, to get a windfall from the county. We just didn't feel right about it. So we actually took out an ad in the local paper, and Swami wrote a heartfelt letter that just said, you know, we belong to this county. This is our home. We're not going to, he didn't use the word karma. We're not going to take our hard luck out on anyone. And we just went through it. Now, here's what's so interesting to me. To this day, um, many people believe that we got a better deal at the back door than we would have gotten at the front door because we, we needed certain permissions from the county and various things like that. And they just are absolutely certain that we just did something really shrewd and traded the lawsuit money for, for lots of other favors. 
it was literally inconceivable to them that we just did it on principle because nobody gives up that much money. But actually, some people do give up that much money. So you also have to be just calm in yourself. If people accuse you of something and it's false, you don't have to make peace with them. You know, you don't have to curry favor with them. You don't have to get them to like you. It's their point of view. And if you know that it's not true, it's simply not true. And you can try to make friends with them because there's no point in making them your enemies either. Swami had a very interesting phrase that he used all his life, and that was what he said, self-styled enemies. He never called anyone, no matter how intensely they persecuted him, he never spoke of them as an enemy. But sometimes he would call them a self-styled enemy because he needed to say, they, they oppose me, but I would never oppose them. And it's a very interesting word, and he was very conscientious about using it because he could never say, you are my enemy. You are always my friend. You've styled yourself. You've defined yourself as my enemy. You have behaved as my enemy, but it takes two, <laughs> and I, I simply don't see you that way. So no matter what people would say, that was just how he would respond to it. Um, in this collection of letters that Swami has, it's called In Divine Friendship. There was a, a very short letter that Swami wrote to someone who'd written him an extremely condemning letter. And Swami wrote in the most charming possible fashion. I was actually looking to see if I have the book, but it's not with me. In the most charming possible fashion. And this man didn't even know Swami. He said, you know, inasmuch as you have, you know, don't know me at all, and yet have found so many faults, you know, to, to condemn me for. He said, since you have such an interest, I suggest you make an effort to get to know me, because then you might find a buried treasure trove of faults that you can't even imagine right now. <laughs> and then he said, in any case, I wish you well. And that was just the end of it. Now, of course, as I've spoken about it other times, you have to have tremendous freedom in yourself to respond like that. But that's what we're here to learn. That's what we're here to acquire. And that's the only way to ensure our everlasting happiness. So Swami says, how should you respond to a false accusation? You might try answering, now that you've reduced me to a level you can handle, may we talk as friends? That subtle reprimand will be well deserved. <laughs> Joy to you, my friends. <laughs>